Hello from Storm Francis, and welcome to EdTech Innovators. This week, it's all about virtual events. Since lockdown, of course, when just about every event was cancelled, people started thinking about virtual events, how to put them on, how to make them successful. So I've done a couple on a platform called Remo, and what I'm going to do is um, give you an account of how that went, and I'll have a discussion about it later. I hope you enjoy. Just waiting for the event to start, and when it does, in 4 minutes and 43 seconds, we will join some virtual tables, six of them, and we will do some networking, and we will listen to some very short presentations. Hello, so I'm with Graeme Coth, and we're going to talk about uh, virtual events, aren't we? Because uh, we, we've done a couple over the last uh, few days, and we did one together yesterday. And what we're going to yeah. do is talk about how it went, and um, how we'd like to do it even better next time, if that's okay with you, Graeme. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Thanks Pete, for inviting so, me to Well, firstly, I think it's fair to say that, you know, the, I, I really enjoyed it, um, and you, you said that you did too. So let, let's just talk about what we enjoyed about the event, and then maybe we can talk about what, what other people said about it, and and, um, and really how we can do it better uh, next time. So um, what, what did you enjoy about it? Well, I think the thing that I enjoy about any event that combines networking, professional networking, with an opportunity to have a frank and open conversation about topical points that need airtime is that it, it it's necessary, and that's why I, that is why I enjoy it, and I enjoy it from the fact that I have developed in my career from a point of journalism and radio and coming out of those disciplines I enjoy the whole journalistic conversation interrogation and opportunity to 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 try and find the truth and that's what I feel that an event that has uh, diversity about it in terms of the people that turn up but also a uh, an aim as well which is what we, we did yesterday we had a we had a clear clearly defined aim that this was about edtech and it was about current thought leadership in edtech mm. you put the two things together and what you end up with is some if if not answers great starting points towards where we should be going in terms of those conversations mm, yeah and, and just to pick up one, one pick up on one of those points the truth is really really a one-way message isn't it and uh I, that's one of the things that i really liked about the event that it felt very democratic and when when you attend traditional conferences uh, they're very often this um, undemocratic one-way message where there's an, a, a sort of implicit assumption that the person on the stage knows far more than the people in the audience. And I've often 
sort of balked at that because I thought, well, look at all these people around you. They're brilliant. You know, that you're surrounded by, for example, EdTech thought leaders. So why not draw upon the expertise and the ideas of these EdTech thought leaders around you? And that's exactly what happened. You know, it felt very democratic that everybody was, was there on, on equal footing, you know, that, that they're all equal. Um, okay, there were some people who were, um, who were providing um, the sort of lead presentations, but they were very short, weren't they? They're very good, but they're, they're mercifully short too, uh, rather than this sort of, you know, stand up on stage for, for a whole hour. So it, it felt very inclusive and, and democratic, and I, I really loved that, and I think the people appreciated that too. Yeah, and I, I think, as I said in my introduction to those talks, that those talks weren't in any shape or form, and I don't think anybody took them in that way, but they weren't there um, to sell a point. Those talks were there to stimulate, and that, and we could see that in the chat and in the Q&As that were happening when those talks were going on, that it was just stimulating conversation and it was just making people, you know, people were, weren't agreeing with everything, mm. but they, but they, they certainly were nods to understanding uh, some of the points that were being raised. And it just, I think it just helped scene set those other conversations that went on from, from that point onwards. Hmm. Yeah, and as you said before, these are conversations that really need to be had right now. And, and uh, I felt that there were some really positive things going on. For example, some potential collaborations were having, happening between, you know, for example, video platforms. Um, that was really interesting. Um, and a you know, real sharing of ideas. You know, that there was a, a strong sense that people had ideas that they hadn't really encountered before, and that, that was really uh, helping them. Um, they were extremely current, of course. So there were some fascinating conversations about the um, the algorithm that's been used to calculate exam results recently, and how uh, you know there's been, there's been this implicit assumption or blind assumption for several years that data is value-free, it's ideology-free, you know, and uh, of course. I'd like to think that we can start to work through that, that, that we won't necessarily see data as this um, you know, um, empirical um, thing, as opposed to something that's been designed for a certain um, outcome. And I think there's a, a sense of that is, is there to be uh, challenged uh, in, the, in the near future. Um, so, so many uh, positive things can come out of it. Um, Shall we um, geek out and talk about the interface of, um, of Remo then? Because I've got a screenshot in front of me of the, of the interface. So if I just describe that, I've got, I've got you, Graham, on the left. I've got Pete, who was talking in the middle. So Pete was giving his talk. That's Pete Quinn, who was, who was a really good speaker. Wasn't he? And then I had the chat on the right-hand side. So um, it was difficult to manage all of that, I think, between the three of us, between the two of us, sorry. But, but still... Um, there was a great deal of inter inter interaction going on in the chat, wasn't there? Yeah, no, absolutely. I have to say, when I when I finish one of those events, I'm absolutely exhausted. Yeah. <laughs> um, because uh, I'm constantly watching absolutely everything, um, so that I can make sure that nobody's experiencing any if, if people are experiencing any kind of technical issue that can kind of help them out and bring them into the fore and so you know um uh, and certainly with the the conversations etc and the, the chat within the, the, the talks as well i was constantly sort of messaging people back and 
and, and sort of signposting people to uh, information. So it, it's um, it's full on, but it's that for me is but again one of the reasons I quite enjoy it is because it, it takes me back to radio days because <laughs> when I first started doing radio I, I was uh, put into this room with this 128 channel mixing desk and, and all of this different equipment and unlike quite so much these days where more of it's computer driven you had to drive absolutely everything mm. Um, and they still call it driving a desk, but you, you had to physically queue up everything. You had to you know, keep an eye on everything. You had to watch things running down, etc. Mm. And um, I, I quite enjoy that, but it, it's quite exhausting at the end of it. Um, but hopefully by doing that and having those, that hosting going on in the background, for everybody else, they can just immerse themselves in what's going on. So um, it brings in a, an interesting issue uh, or, or an interesting point, which is that, you know, with tech, which is that tech is as good as people yeah. that, that work with it. And, you know, you always need some hand-holding with, with tech in order to, to get the best out of it. Um, and that's one of the conversations that that came out yesterday. Adoption of tech, use of tech is really down to user experience. And, you know, managing that user experience is fundamental in terms of actually getting proper adoption. Yeah, and, and there were one or two technical issues at the event. I would I would say fewer than you would get at a, at a conventional event. I have to say, from you know, the, attending millions of events over the years, there's always quite prominent and um, intrusive technical issues. There are a couple, but I think as, as you said, Graham, at the, at the end of those talks, what we were left with was a sense that they were really great speakers and, they were, and it was really useful content that they were they were sharing with people. So the technical issues at the end sort of slipped away, didn't they? Um, what about the table arrangement then? So we had um, six uh, tables, didn't we? Sorry, eight tables of six people. And we could, um, just to describe it to people, what you could do is double click on the table and then, you just, sorry, double click on an empty seat and then you, you join that table and you can see everybody on video and you can do presentations with each other or just network. Um, how do you think that that went? I, very well. Um, actually felt that people managed to, to catch on to that fairly quickly and, and uh, in the main, you know, uh, move around those tables and enjoy the dynamic of, of, you know, getting immersed in one conversation and then perhaps, you know, if it wasn't quite their conversation, moving to another table and, and, and then, you know, joining a, a different uh, conversation. I mean, it, as with anything where there's really good conversation happening, and maybe a maybe a thing for the future, we could have perhaps done with a couple of tables being bigger. <laughs> because yeah, I, I think I think what tended to happen towards uh, sort of a, a point in the the, uh, the proceedings was that there were two really good conversations happening at two of the tables, and I think everybody wanted to gravitate towards those. Mm. That conversation. But there's two ways of doing that. We could have either 
could have either actually, um, if we thought about it in, in terms of being perhaps a little bit more dynamic, we could have either had larger tables or what we could have done is we could have spotted the fact that this was going into a, a sort of really good conversation, perhaps being led by one or two people. We could have actually even done it a bit more like an open mic night and invited those two people up to the front to give a little bit of a talk to everybody on that and 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 turn that into a into a sort of feedback session so um i mean and that's that's the fun of these things as well i think is that in trying it out and playing with the dynamics of conversation and being open-minded about what you could do with it within the, the you know the, uh, the remit of the technology there's no reason why you, you couldn't then come up with something quite creative and clever to to, to put in as a different way of doing it next time yeah that, I mean, that's a, a really good segue to just use a radio term and into what i'd like to talk about next i mean to, just to go back a step I think uh, I, I completely agree what, with what you said before. That I mean, I was quite concerned that people wouldn't know what to do and how to conduct themselves because of the you know, interface and the technology. But as you said, um, they were they were au okay with that straight away, like the idea of like going to different tables and circulating uh, among the tables. So that that was really good. So by way of a segue, um, let's think about how people what we could do uh, differently next time. And as you said, I think that it, it's really down to our own creativity with these things. And um, so. For example, yeah, an open mic night, um, a bar, a pub, that kind of stuff. So there, there was, because of the different time zones, of course, the people in, there was somebody in, in Dubai, Victoria James in, in Dubai. Um, I'm not sure if I should say that, because she was having a nice glass of wine, of course, because it was about nine o'clock, 10 o'clock in the evening. Well, it, it, actually, it actually came up on the, we used a um, little bit of a name check, but we used Mentimeter towards the end and, and we collected uh, a number of, sort of feedback points that, from, from people with suggestions that uh, that they, they would throw in, throw in for next time, and of course there, there were the uh, more um, this austere, you know, but politically correct uh, <laughs> suggestions um, about you know balance in terms of speakers and, and, and networking, etc. Mm. Um, and there, there was definitely a, a leaning towards alcohol and nibbles. Mm. So you know. <laughs> <laughs> which is fine and actually that's really great because that's you know that's the other thing about this i mean i'm going to uh i'm going to uh, a online band convention oh yes and, uh in uh, a couple of weekends time and um you know that a lot of that will be frivolity you know so we'll, we'll actually be watching um uh, old concert footage of the band and the, you know we'll be having sort of live uh, streams of you know band reaction to it etc and then you know i'm looking to put on a, a, a virtual pub night as part of that mm. um so that people can meet chat have a drink uh, around the table but i think yeah i mean that, that that's the nice thing about this i think it can be and and it can be quite attractive to people in that sort of sense as well if, if you do a especially with something like a higher education network event you know we'd all we'd all turn up normally in, in a reasonably smart um attire if not a suit probably yeah uh, 
smart, casual, etc. Most people yesterday were in their jeans, t-shirts, etc. Which is, you know, I mean, that was a that was actually a surprise for me in the first instance that that, that so many people were quite casually dressed. Um, but I was happily surprised, um, you know. It's just that more relaxed as well. There's no way you bring a, you know, bring a tin of beer or a glass of wine into <laughs> a tech event. Yeah, uh, yeah. uh, you know, in, inside a university building, etc. Mm. But in this instance, you know, it, it's fine. And maybe, just maybe, the the nature of the conversation is better because of it. Or the the information exchange is better because of it. I often said, actually, when I was dealing with with note writing in my last EdTech role, that uh, controversially maybe the case, but I actually said quite often I learned more about a subject not in the lecture, but actually after the lecture at the pub, mm. discussing the lecture that I've just been to with my mates around the table and sometimes in that slightly more casual but you know very open um conversation where you reinforce what you've just learned and you examine what you've just learned isn't isn't that where the sort of best answers come from <laughs> Yeah, definitely, definitely, um, and, and alcohol can be a lubricant to that. And I suppose uh, we'd we'd have to offer um, virtual mocktails, wouldn't we, for people who don't drink? You know, which would show off growing in number considerably, of course. Uh, so um, interesting. Are we okay to do a few sort of honourable mentions to some of the attendees? No, no, absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay, so um, I mean, there's some great people. I mentioned Victoria James, who's part of Bet, uh, sorry, Bet um, Asia. Um, uh, Tim Burnett, um, who's um, from the assessment, is, is, a, is a, you know, a vocal attendee and a great guy as well. Ryan Anthony is very distinguished in the world of edtech. He had to leave early, but he did leave some very useful messages, which were, which were very um, welcome. So we could go back to those, of course. Um, John Brindle, learning technologist from University of Liverpool. Um, yep. Stayed right until the end, until his daughter barged him off, off stage, basically. <laughs> off yeah. Um, and uh, who else do we have? Uh, Karim uh, Samani, um, who is responsible for um, do detoxifying computers. So he's um, sort of making them sort of more COVID safe. So he's doing that with tens of thousands of computers across the northwest of England. Um, Faduma Abdi, who was in one of our groups, who was uh, very vocal. Um, we've got some really, really, really good, really good discussions. I mean, it was really there to learn, I think, more than anything else, but still she brought a great deal to the, uh, to the table. Um, Margaret George, again, somebody who wanted to um, learn from other people, but was interested in the context of uh, edtech and, and maths resources. Uh, Pete Quinn, we mentioned before, great speaker and very distinguished in terms of reputation. Phil Paluccio, we talked about him as um, an expert on podcasting and somebody who was you know, very um, persuasive and really great to talk to. I think it'd be great to have him at another event. 
uh, Cameron Ashraf was, um, I, I didn't get to, to his table, um, shameful. I don't know if you did, uh, Graham, but um, I know he stayed to, uh, ne nearly to the end, but as did Brian Moon, of course, from uh, Perigian. Um, so it's great to have him there as well. Um, so Paul Rose I've spoken to quite a few times over the years. Um, he's a great man to have around in, in the world of EdTech. Lee Chambers we talked about before. Um, who said, uh, did a, a very uh, interesting talk, of course. Um, didn't get a chance to speak to Mark Anderson, but he's somebody who's, who's um, uh, one of the most influential people in, in EdTech, so he's good to have around, but um, I'm not sure if he stayed until the end, but he's, he was certainly uh, very active while he was um, there. Um, Chris Warren stayed until the end from Triptico, um, really good person to know. Um, anybody who uh, Nihad uh, Sitch or Sitch? Uh, no, I was going to say Nihad. Nihad. Um, we, we we had a little little gathering at one point, which was Nihad, and then uh, the um, your your friend, the, the podcast guy, um, Bill, and also uh, I'm trying to I'm trying to think who the last person was as well. But, but there was a nice little gathering at one point. I'm dreadful with names. You, you shouldn't do this to me. <laughs> But um, you, you can obviously tell you were a teacher. I'd never be a teacher because I, I just couldn't remember names of anybody. But I, there was a really good dynamic at that table and there was some great conversation about... Uh, we were talking about cloud adoption mm. and, and adoption of... Uh, or migration and digital transformation into, into cloud technology. Um, and And also, you know... Uh, integration as well and and what's what's necessary in terms of scaling up very very quickly now with EdTech yeah. what, what are the what are the what are the issues in terms of scalability mm -hmm. uh, you know, and, and from, from a financial point of view from an adoption point of view from a, an acceptance point of view that you know the infrastructure, the technical infrastructure needs to change um, in a, in a lot of universities. You know you need to actually throw out that old equipment, and you need to, to move towards uh, um, um, you know more um, more cloud-based technology. But then the human issues with that, in terms of um, as I said, how long's a piece of string? Mm. Um, I brought up the fact that. You know, last time that I was at uh, AWS, and I was listening to a CIO from a, a large um, London university. You know, they were mentioning that that was one of the the big issues was trying to convince universities who had spent millions of pounds over the years on hardware mm -hmm. <laughs> to relinquish that hardware. To move to more uh, a more cloud-based technology, both in terms of the security of um, uh, uh, intellectual property, you know, because suddenly it's out there, it's not in here physically. Mm. Uh, from a procurement point of view, you know, universities are still tied up with tender processes and, and government uh, procurement systems, which say how much is it you know and it doesn't matter it doesn't matter whether overall it's more money at the end of the day if you can give a definitive it's this amount of money then they feel happier with it whereas once you go into the cloud it's 
well, uh, it depends how much people use it. Yes. <laughs> you know. Yeah, so and uh, Bob Harrison has been very vocal about issues like that, issues such as uh, procurement, for example. Um, we had Steve Appleyard, who's a, 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 again, a, a, sorry, sounds like Donald Trump, but he's a great person to know, in, <laughs> great guy to know in the world of uh, tech. Um, we had some really interesting conversations with Phyllis, Phyllis Francois um, about the um, FE context. Um, Ruth, sorry, Dr. Yu was, was um, Mike Lawrence with her. I didn't get to speak to them shamefully, nor did I get to speak to uh, Snea, Mariam San, um, or Mickey Lowell. I didn't get to speak to her very much, but I know that she was uh, very vocal um, too. A couple of more honorable mentions for Zara Clark Johnny. So she was the one who was having that, uh, a fascinating conversation about, about the politicization of data. Um, so I'd, I'd like to speak to her again sometime. Uh, to continue that conversation. Um, Can I say what was really interesting though? I, I'm, I did just, you know, we even had people like Karim there, uh, Karim Somani, who isn't involved in anything. Yeah. Has come along because he's a parent, has come along because he's involved in a very hands-on way in terms of schools yeah right and also because he sees it as a networking opportunity mm -hmm. but what he brought to the table was really fascinating because right. he's a guy that was saying you know i clean keyboards and and mice and everything on desks i clean equipment in schools and 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 you know large organizations for a living you know and all you guys are saying uh, this can happen because the technology is there and it's then about putting this and he said but I can see from schools etc there's a lot of old technology out there that that we're cleaning and it's you know I can tell you now that none of this stuff's going to work on it <laughs> but, you know. yeah, it wasn't refreshing as well because my assumption was when he was talking about cleaning computers I was thinking oh this is about like uh, I don't know debugging them or something like that but it's literally about cleaning them you know disinfecting yeah. them and yeah. More COVID safe, so uh, Karim was really, really good to have there, and uh, he felt very at home, didn't he, amongst the the tech uh, and the education people. And I, I just, you know, I just felt that 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 was again the great thing about this mm. is that again someone like that would never ever step foot into a edtech show in real life because yeah. you know that the a the price might put him off because it's probably not his sector the the the, um, the environment itself may put put him off coming into something like that because of you know when you're in a building an institutional building like that unless you you know feel that you actually should be there you probably won't be mm. um, but what's great you know is with these things is that people that can be from outside of the sector, etc. can come into it. Mm. And far from being disruptive, my, my general uh, experience has been that these people aren't disruptive, they actually bring some really interesting points through and actually sometimes bring everybody up short by going, yeah, but in reality, or in, you know, from what I've seen, this is, this is, this is the truth. Um, and that's fine because I think if, uh, you know, in any industry, we can live in our own little bubble. 
Yeah, I think uh, Kareem strikes me as one uh, the kind of guy who asks the right questions and listens to people's answers. That, that came across really clearly from you know his obvious knowledge of the way that education works on the inside, while standing on the outside, you know, and just going in there to clean the computers or disinfect them. Um, I suppose one more thing is how we how we would do this even better next time. So. Um, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd start off with one reservation that one attendee had that maybe they thought that Remo might be a little bit expen expensive. I don't know how you um, feel about that. Uh, I suggested that if you if you do what we did and collaborate with with other people to put on events, then then it doesn't feel quite as expensive. Um, but how do how do you think that we would you know, apart from the um, creative ideas like like um, you know pubs, virtual pubs and so on. Um, how else would you would like to do this differently next time? So just starting with that first point, they felt that Remo was expensive. Is expensive. Or is expensive. Mm. But, but where's the expense for them? Well, no, I mean, if, if they're going to put their on their own events, that's what I meant. Ah, oh, I see. Mm. I see. Okay. Um, well, the, the, then the answer is talk to people like me. <laughs> because, no. yeah, ab absolutely. Um, yeah, that's Remo. Remo works differently in general. Remo will work differently from um, things like Zoom. Um, so with with Zoom or, or or Teams or anything else, yeah, there's going to be people that, that everybody has to to buy in at some level. But e even then, though, um, you know, even with those technologies, there are different pricing levels. Yeah. And, you know, if you, if you look at Zoom, which we're talking to each other on now, you know, uh, there's there's a free level at which, you know, you can talk one to one with a person indefinitely and it's forever free. Um, you know, as, as soon as you uh, have two or three people on there, then that's limited to 40 minutes unless you pay something. Mm -hmm. um, beyond that, if you do start doing proper webinar stuff, etc., then the price obviously uh, goes up. You know, quite considerably from from that base price, etc. And so, um, Remo has different tiers, but I think part of the pricing concept with Remo is that there will be adopters like myself, and that you know, if you want to put on events, that there will be certain people like myself that will actually facilitate those events. So you you just need to to buy into a percentage of that. Uh, um, in terms of doing things differently, um, yeah, I, I, I could see uh, that there may be a need to, to um, elongate what, what we did, um, you know, rather than just have a singular session, maybe because of the nature of the feedback, which said, which, you know, quite juxtaposed in some ways and said, you know, some people wanted more talking and some people wanted more networking to me what that means is that um you know for some people it's all about the networking for some people it's all about the sort of learning experience um and for other people i think it was a happy medium in between which is great so the, the best way of uh giving everybody what they want in that scenario is to potentially have uh, you know, maybe a, more of a day allocated to it and to have a speaking experience where you want to listen to the speakers, you come along and listen to the speakers. Um, 
and that could even that could be in Remo or that could actually be in in, in something like Zoom or, or, or something else. Mm. Um, but it could be that could be different. And then you could have uh, the networking part uh, in something like Remo, which gives you that opportunity as well. Um, yeah, and I, th I think that one thing that seems to be emerging as well with virtual events is is this kind of uh, festival vibe, and th th that's inc increasingly popular, isn't it? So, uh, for example, the Y Festival is was was virtual this year, of course, um, and there's been plenty of these. Um, Fern um, Cotton, the broadcaster, did a well-being festival, didn't she? A virtual one uh, quite recently. Um, I went went to another academic conference. Uh, which should have been in Spain uh, recently, and it wasn't, but it was spread over several days, about four days or something like that. So I think that that, that idea of a, a festival can give people more opportunities to dip into things that they might. Uh, absolutely. I, I'll go back to I'll go back to my Marillion convention that I'm going to uh, Couch Convention, which I've got the T-shirt on for. You certainly have got the T-shirt. Uh, for anyone that's listening, it, it's it's got a nice picture of a, a sort of spatial couch. Um, <laughs> And, and, uh, and you know we we connect via this this virtual this virtual couch in in the uh, the ether. Um, you know, it's spread over three days, and the sort of connectivity between it is social media platforms. So uh, either the, the the band's app or Facebook, etc. Which is the connectivity, the glue between you know for for the event itself. But then the event broken up into elements which you can go to if it's your kind of thing and then bits that you you, you know if, if they're not your kind of thing you don't go to so uh the, the keyboardist who's incredibly fit um is doing a a, a virtual five he's well it's an actual 5k mm. on the sunday um and you can all take part in it if you want to and, and do your own scoring etc etc there's a whereas uh, Steve, the guitarist, is doing a, a virtual cocktail evening um, and he's providing the recipes and we're all doing cocktails together, wow. uh, etc. You know, and, but it, it's dip and there's even a dog show. How about that? You know, it's, it's dipping, dip out as you want over the, the weekend, but there's activity throughout the whole weekend. And, and, and I think that, um, yeah, I think that, you know, this is where things can go. I think, you know, if there's the, uh, uh, you know, if there's the, the the willingness to to come to something as a as a family of people or as a group of people that have a shared identity, mm. um, then you know, as long as there's the as long as there's the sponsors to buy <laughs> sponsors, as long as yeah, the sponsors to to cover those those areas um, then then there's no reason why not but you know some of that could even come from uh, some of that could even come from the people themselves so I mean again that's a that's a, another area that people like you and I might explore going forward which is you know do do we rely completely on corporate sponsorship for these things or you know do people buy into it and uh, help to buy into it by buying into the identity. So, for example, all of this weekend's been paid for by people pre-ordering merchandise. Oh, okay, nice. Yeah. So, it, again, it actually creates an identity mm. within everybody that's that's there. But it, it might be that you know 
in, in a similar way, you could, uh, for an event, you could actually say, right, oh, there's a, there's a you know, physical thing that's on sale, don't you know, get a, get a, 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 a beer glass made with the EdTech event or whatever, or wine, a cocktail glass with the EdTech event on it, EdTech weekend, um, yeah, and you a, buy one of those, and a percentage of that will go into funding this. And and to my mind, in a way, that becomes even more powerful because actually, your your audience are all helping fund what they want. And actually, then you can actually start more of a dialogue with your audience prior to the event as well about because they've got proper buy-in. What do you actually want out of that? Yes, of course. And that the under the the Hay on Life Festival, for example, and the conference that uh, I didn't go to in Spain recently, but they both had a great deal of um, asynchronous material, and um, so pre-recorded. Um, and that's a, I think something to think about for the future too. You know, to, to what extent could people dip in and out of these uh, sessions that have been pre-recorded? Um, but also um, different platforms too. I mean, we liked Remo a lot, but um, the one in Spain. Uh, was on um, Mozilla Hubs. I don't know if you're familiar with Mozilla Hubs. Um, it's just a load of virtual rooms and you can do quite a lot with it. Um, it's one of these things that I had to play around with it for a while and sort of lost interest after a while because it was taking me quite a long time to get my head around it. But but, uh, but people in the know would, would know how to make it work a lot better. But it, you can create any kind of room that you want and, and then people have their own avatars and, and that, that's you know, a great deal of, well, potentially fun. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. No, and, and, you know, I think I think with technologies, um, I think with, I think with technologies, you know, you can go anywhere with it, mm. really. Um, but then, but then again, at the same time, I think you you have to be careful with technology that you don't overcook it, because the more technologies you use, <laughs> the more adoption and education you need to put into place in order for people to be comfortable and know how to use it. So why do we tend to go, come back to the same things time and time again? It's because we know that people are already comfortable with those things. And that's why, you know, every time you bring in something different, you've got to have that education piece. You've got to have that sort of trial, trial by ordeal piece in order to, to get people comfortable with it um, and even people in edtech who you think might know how to switch on a camcorder and, and a microphone don't necessarily know how in every instance no. No, so, um, and there were a couple of people who didn't get couldn't get the sound to work but um but generally it, it felt very one of the reasons why it felt so inclusive was because it was generally quite easy to navigate wasn't it there would be you know, absolutely um, absolutely so i you know i i think i think remo will become uh, a platform that more people do use and of course they're they're continuing i mean they're they're on a recruitment drive at the moment they're on a massive recruitment drive so i mean they're obviously uh it's going well and they are going to continue to expand it so and that's the other thing you know that even within the platforms that we're already using we will see them develop and therefore we'll be able to do more things with them and you know 
Um, Definitely, which brings us to the next one. So I think uh, what I'll do is that I'll put this out on Tuesday in the podcast and uh, around the podcast, I'll be asking a few questions on social about uh, what people would like to see in a future event and what they enjoyed about it and everything else. Um, and I'll make sure that the people, as many people who we've name checked in this recording, uh, I've tagged in the, uh, on the social media posts as well. Um, so and we'll, we'll talk again very so- soon about... Um, uh, tech thought leaders too absolutely yeah no it's going to happen definitely because uh, people want it to happen Where, and that's that's the best way yeah definitely you know, um this is this is the great thing about these events this is why i enjoy doing this it's about creating a catalyst once you get that catalyst going you know um and that's exactly what we want we want people to come back and say ah but do you know what i could I could input this into this. So Phil, for example, has already said, you know, I, I really, I've got a talk for the next one. I've got, I've got something I can do for the next one. I'm, I'm, I'm there, mm. um, you know, and that's brilliant. So we've got people that want to contribute next time. We've got people that uh, are already sparking ideas about, you know, how they can contribute and make the next one better. Um, so it will happen and we will absorb and take it forward. And I'm confident that it will gather momentum too, quite relatively quickly. So um, that, that I'm glad we, we agree on that. Well, yeah. thanks, Graham. Well, I shall certainly talk to you soon. Okay, cool. I've got to go and talk to someone about another event now. Brilliant. And in the meantime, enjoy Marillion. Oh, I will. That will be that will be fantastic as ever. <laughs> Cheers, Graham.